0: Welcome back to the Pup Pup In Away Podcast. I'm Stephanie and I'm Maggie, and this is the podcast where you break down dog training and canine behavior in a digestible way because I'm a certified canine behaviorist. And I'm not. I just crack jokes sometimes. (laughs) All right. So today, well, last week we dropped a Debbie Downer episode about daycare. Um, Some negatives about daycare, why you should possibly reconsider your dog going to daycare if they don't absolutely love it, why some dogs might not love it, why some dogs might grow out of loving it. So if you have not listened to that, go take a listen. Um, But today we're talking more about daycare, but more about some random things about daycare. Um, so let's get to it. All right. So last time we talked about our four day orientation and why our orientation is so long and what do we do? So not only does your dog get paired up with a trainer during the orientation days to get introduced to the facility, get introduced to the rest of the staff also kind of work themselves slowly into a daycare group, but we also work on a couple of daycare manners, um, things that we find that are helpful for a dog to be pretty good at when they're coming to daycare. Um, So Maggie, toss one out for me. Uh, Collar grabs. Collar grabs, okay. So collar grabbing is us grabbing onto your pup's collar gently Giving them a treat, letting go. Just yanking them around the room. Don't do that. Uh, that sensitizes them. We're trying to desensitize them. Uh, and the reason why is because dogs, you know, they're not used to wearing collars. They might not be used to people grabbing onto collars, especially in a, um, not not a tense, maybe a tense situation sometimes, um, but also like a, a high... energy Energy. moment yeah um and so we just want your pups to be used to if we grab a collar doesn't mean you're in trouble i mean it actually might be because the reason why we do those things is to redirect them from making an inappropriate decision redirect them from a playmate to try to de-escalate play maybe we try to grab a collar and escort them to a kennel whether it's for a break time or they need to just pump the brakes on their play a little bit um and uh I had another thought, and I I lost it, (laughs) even though I have a script right in front of me. Um, Yeah, that's collar grabbing. Oh, I think we often will accidentally sensitize our dogs to it, um, because if you think about it at home, the only time that you might grab a collar is to, like, kind of give them a negative consequence in the sense that you grab a collar, you put them in a crate for you to leave for the day, right? Yeah, they're
1: chewing on your shoe. You grab them, you drag them away from the shoe, you put them in a crate.
0: Right. So then your dog starts to realize as soon as your hand reaches over them in that moment, maybe you see them, like, juke and then run in the opposite direction, Mm -hmm. which is not what we want in daycare. Yeah, I'll tell you, in daycare,
1: that is infuriating (laughs) when you're trying to get everybody into a crate for lunchtime or if they're doing zoomies and you just need to grab hold of somebody or they are barking at the fence and are playing keep away with you all of those situations are so much tougher when you can't just reach out and guide them away from whatever they need reach out and touch me yeah. um do you want to i think it'd be a good idea to tell how you can help at home a little bit like this one is super easy to help at home yeah if you just grab their collar anytime and give a treat you're helping us desensitize them Mm -hmm. to collar grabs
0: yeah so grab a collar give it a couple little sweet little jiggles
1: treat 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 and then let go yeah Make sure you don't have to bring them anywhere you don't have to put them in a kennel the just the simple act of my collar was grabbed. Oh, now I'm getting treats is, um, what is that? Positive reinforcement, Mm -hmm.
0: positive association. Yeah. Uh, and so you kind of mentioned one of the reasons why we grab onto a collar is to escort them into a kennel, which kind of brings us to one of our other kennel or one of our other daycare behaviors that we try to work on, um, which is kenneling up on cue and waiting to be released to come out from their kennel. Um, so a couple of times that we always have break times uh, from 11 to 1, so midday, every dog in the facility goes up for a lunchtime or a nap time. It's just a good break because um, one of the things that we mentioned in last week's episode was being active all day long as they are in daycare is just super natural for dogs. Dogs should sleep 14 to 16 hours a day. I think I kind of boo-booed <laughs> last week. I'm going to call myself out on that one. Um, if we're thinking 14 to 16 hours during a day – uh. I mean, if we're also factoring in nighttime, I would say like Sully would only be awake four hours a day if, if I let him be. Uh, he sleeps throughout the night and most of the time he's sleeping throughout the day. So I would say comfortably, I would say like 15 to 18 would be including nighttime. How many hours a dog In actually 24 sleeps. hours. In the full he 24 sleeps. hour cycle, yeah. Um, cause this man's asleep right now. Um, but yeah, so we always put dogs up into daycare. A lot of people don't like that. I'm sorry. put dogs up for a nap time when they're here for daycare. A lot of people don't like that cause they're paying for the whole day. Um, but trust us, we know what we're doing. Um, we also might give dogs breaks in kennels. Um, if they're over escalating in play, the best answer isn't just to keep redirecting them and fighting with them in daycare because that will just lead to frustration for both the dog and the daycare tech. Um, but instead, if we give them a quick five 10 minute break, they come back out so much better. They're making better decisions on their own and that's definitely what we want. Um, We also allow some puppies to come in at a young age and so we definitely want to make sure that these puppies get more breaks because one, puppies sleep even more um, and two, they're growing. Three, we don't want to over-escalate them even more and then
1: just kind of set them up to always be an over-escalated dog. And fourth, they don't always know how to take their own breaks. Oh, yeah. They don't know that they're cranky and tired. So having them crated uh helping them realize, "Oh, maybe I should take a break." Yeah. It's just like a toddler, you know, they get overtired and cranky and they don't think they want to go to sleep, but once you put them in their crib or whatever, they pass out and <laughs> wake up better. You can literally
0: see their eyes like glossing over, becoming red and droopy and they're still fighting it sometimes. I'm like, yeah. just take a break, I promise. I wish you could put me in a kennel so I could take a nap.
1: Ah, oh, that'd be great. Give I should just go lock myself in a kennel every once in a while.
0: <laughs> we have that big one in the back. Um yeah, so then we also like for them to wait to be released when they're about to come out. The nap time kennels that we have and the timeout kennels that we have, they're actually on the daycare floor. Um, so if I just open up that kennel door and that dog comes racing out, we're already starting their end of the timeout on a really, really escalated note. And once again, that's not what we want, which kind of takes us to one of our other daycare things, or daycare behaviors that we work on, um, which is sit stays at gates and doors. So, we do our best to do it every single time, but sometimes we're you know in a rush, but as much as possible, we try to get every dog to sit at every single door on their way out to daycare. There's at least two doors that they have to sit and just be calm at. Um, and the reason why is because this kind of gives your dog the opportunity one to calm and reset, um, not continue to escalate before making it into the party. So it helps your dog come in a little bit more calmly. If you think about it, when you drop your dog off to daycare, we have some clients that tell us my dog knows we're here when we're exiting the highway, mm-hmm. right? Um, so they're already getting ramped up in the car. They're getting ramped up in the parking lot. They're getting ramped up in the lobby. We're just building, 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 building. If I don't take time to de-escalate that excitement, as soon as I open up the pen to daycare, it's going to be balls at the wall. And so we really want to take that time to kind of de-escalate and calm your pup down just a little bit before they get this huge reward of going out and playing with their friends.
1: Yeah, it's, it's also... There's some sort of, well, there's definitely like just general, um, polite behaviors that you're training, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, you know, a, a large thing you, you train in like group classes is, uh, waiting to be released to go through doors. And I'm sure there's like a psychological factor to that. Like I go through the door, you wait until I allow you to, um, just
0: build impulse control. Yeah. Yeah. I think we do that in a different lot of situations, you know, putting food down, um, waiting to be released before you can just stuff your snout in a food bowl, Um, gates and doors, different things like that. It teaches your dog to, even though you know what's coming up, like slow your roll a little bit, have that impulse control. Wait for me also. Yeah. All right. The last one that we always try to work on is a recall or being or coming when called. And this one's super duper important for a variety of reasons because I think a lot of behaviors when your dog is about to make an inappropriate decision and we'll talk about some of those inappropriate behaviors that we see on daycare floors um if I can call that dog away and have them do a different behavior instead like they can't come and sit at my feet and fence fight at the same time what do you call that opposing uh it's an incompatible behavior incompatible. I yeah, like you you can't do the two things at the same time. I like that term. It's fun. Um, so we often try to work up that recall highly. We do group recalls. We do group sits. Um, but if I can get... And work it up so highly to the point where when I ask my dog to make a high value decision, do I want to chase after that bird or come to you instead? Unless I've worked that recall up with such a high history of reinforcement your dog's always going to choose the bird or my whatever dog always it is chooses the bird. <laughs> <We'll always laughs> choose the bird my dog always chooses the bird so you got to put that you got to put that that emphasis the, the reason the want the drive the motivation to come because you've done it so many times with such a high positive consequence
1: okay
0: so we just got to work the hell out of it i like to tell people because of course you do have to call your dog to end a fun thing, right? Obviously, once again, if you have the bird situation or you situation, your dog has to choose between the two. You're there all the time. Your dog loves you absolutely, but you're there in their face all the time. That bird's only here for a millisecond. And so I want people to build a metaphorical piggy bank. Every time you call your dog to you and it ends with nothing but good things, positive things, positive consequences, you put a metaphorical penny into your piggy bank. Build that sucker up, build up a bank, build up a savings in there because when you do have to call your dog to put them in the crate or to end their fun playtime outside or to not chase that bird and you take a withdrawal from your piggy bank, your piggy bank is still nice and full, still nice and fat because you've had this big reward of,
1: a big history of these rewards in the past. Yeah, and I'd say some are, some dogs are kind of naturally better it than others maybe um I can think of a dog we have right now that's a big um fence fighter Mm -hmm. and she is doing phenomenally at being called away and I think Mm -hmm. it's because the trainers are doing such a great job of rewarding her highly when she makes a choice to come to them instead of go fence fight and her training is just going really well and I'm so proud of her
0: so even though we hit all of those behaviors and not in the right order that I had written down, that ends up perfectly because the next thing that we're going to talk about are some inappropriate behaviors that we see on daycare. And the first one is fence fighting. So Maggie, do you want to tell us what fence fighting is?
1: Uh, fence fighting is approaching the fence to fight. <laughs> sometimes it's barking. <laughs> sometimes it's lunging, snapping. Uh, running sometimes the it's, fence line. Yeah, running up and down. Um, I'd say sometimes it's visual, sometimes it's auditory, sometimes it's both. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um we're usually trying to fight with the stimulus that's on the opposite side of the fence.
0: Right. Right. So like we have um two play groups, right? And from the inside all the way to the outside, there's a a middle wall. Mm-hmm. Right? From the outside, there's no visibility. We've just put up structure to make that fence like solid and you can't see through it but on the inside there's probably like a three inch gap from the floor to the bottom of that wall right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um so that one dog that you're talking about in particular um she has starting i think I mean, my, in my opinion, she definitely does it a lot, but she kind of does it a little bit more where the dogs enter into daycare, like the little corner, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. So she's kind of learned like this is where heavy traffic happens on the opposite side. And it was, it's kind of escalated a little bit with time. Um, but the reason why fence fighting is more of a problem than anything, not necessarily, obviously she's not going to hurt the dog on the opposite side of the fence, right? There's literally a fence in between. But when your dog is that into the action of fence fighting and they're that focused, they might bump into a dog that is on the same side of them. Or maybe you try to go in there, put your hands in there or step in there to de escalate. And she's so focused that she, and it's almost an accident, it's almost like a, a reflex. She redirects that attention, that intensity onto you Mm -hmm. so maybe she bites you maybe she bites the dog next to you um usually they snap out of it pretty quickly but if it's a dog that she snaps at maybe that dog snaps back at her and now we have a fight right so yeah working that recall right there is super important because if I can call her away from that fence line and I don't have to put myself physically in the line of danger and I can call her away from there before another dog gets there it saves us a ton of hassle
1: yeah that's also one that the collar grab comes in handy. Um mm-hmm. they're they're worked up so like you can't always sometimes they're playing keep away and you, you can't even approach them. It doesn't matter that you're uh trying to grab their collar or not. But it makes it even worse if they're also hesitant to collar grabs. Like mm-hmm. you manage to get within a foot of them and you reach out and they're like whoop and
0: yeah. you juke out of your way. I think this dog in particular too, but before we put her in the play and train program to help fix this you would, like, step in between her and the fence, and she would, like, run out about five feet just so you couldn't catch her. She passes by you, and she
1: goes, and she barks on the opposite yeah, side. Yeah, she did, like, semicircles around you just out of your reach, and you can chase after her, and she'll she's faster than you. You can try to stand in her path, and she'll just, she's quick. what is that juke around you? Mm-hmm. Uh, you can stand still and try to call her, but she doesn't. Give a shit <laughs> no she 's like uh, i 'm busy barking, yep, um, yeah, so yeah, the collar grabbing also
0: would have been a good one there, okay, another one that we have, um, maybe not so intense, but is jumping up on staff. I think probably the biggest thing that I, I think all of my clients have in common when it comes to their basic manners is they just don 't want their dog to jump up on people, and the best way to do that is to make sure that your dog never ever 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 gets rewarded by anybody period end of story by attention when that, when your dog jumps up. So you might work on it really hard at home and your dog might learn, okay, with the people in my family, I don't jump up. But if you have other people in your pup's life that is sometimes reinforcing it, your dog's going to turn into a gambler and they're going to continue to jump up onto some people because it's sometimes reinforced. And the best reinforcement schedule to keep a behavior in queue is to sometimes reinforce it. That's why things like gambling is so addicting because this one time that you pull the lever might be the time that you get your reward, your big jackpot, right? So, um, you know, we're savvy and I tell, all of the staff here that works here, even when they come in for their working interview, the first thing, maybe not the first thing, but one of the very first things I tell them before we step out onto that daycare floor is, if a dog jumps up on you, completely ignore it, walk past them, don't breathe at them, don't look at them, don't touch them, don't push them off, don't tell them anything, completely ignore it, only give them attention when all four feet are on the ground. And I think a lot of daycare places don't put this rule in place for their staff. So we find that your dog continues to jump up even though you've been doing everything in your power to make sure that they don't it's because it's being reinforced somewhere
1: yeah it's Mm -hmm. that one's a tough one uh i've i've always had little dogs and they Mm -hmm. can jump into my arms if they would like Mm -hmm. they can crawl on my body like a i don't know what's something that crawls on your body like a snake like a snake like a spider like a spider monkey yeah if they wanted to they can take full advantage of me So for 25 years of my life, I've let dogs jump up on me. So I still struggle and have to remind myself every single day to not reward dogs for jumping up on me. And for me, it's not like I'm not thinking, oh, I'm rewarding this dog by petting them right now. It's Mm -hmm. just a reflex of, oh, hi, you're up here. I'm going to pet you. And then I have to tell myself, hey, wait, that's not allowed. Yeah. And stop.
0: Or we also have the fact that we have some clients that don't mind it. Or they have a very specific cue that can invite them, mm, they yeah, pup-up, yeah. right? Um, but we just have so many dogs that I can't keep a running list of these are the dogs that it's okay to jump up on and these are the dogs that it's not okay yeah. for. So we just try our best to make a very clear, blank statement. Ooh, it, it sounds mean. We gave your dog all kinds of love.
1: They just have to be on the floor. Yeah. Um, I think it was also a learning curve for me or just an interesting whatever. Um that pushing them off mm, yeah. is a form of reinforcement. Yeah. Because they don't necessarily know that they're being pushed off. They just know their hands are on you and mm-hmm. that's – your hands are on them and that's what they wanted in the first place. Right. So when you taught me that, it was a eye-opening experience.
0: Or also just like do- healthy dog play is back and forth, right? I chase you, you chase me. Um, I wrestle you on top, you wrestle me when you're on top. Um, I put my paws up on you and then you put your paws up on me, right? Hmm. That's what jumping up is, right? And so you have this role reversal in that specific scenario, which is a characteristic of healthy play. You mentioned our hands, right, are very rewarding. We pet with our hands. So if I'm pushing my dog off, Um, it looks like I'm playing and of course it just gets them attention one way or another. So usually when I have a client that's saying like, oh, I can't get my dog to stop jumping. Then I ask, okay, well, what do you do in response to when your dog jumps? They say, well, I push them off and I tell them no. And your dog doesn't realize that they're getting in trouble. They don't realize what's like, what your intention there is. They're just noticing that you got activated, right? They got your attention in some sort of form. Um, so trying to take away All of that attention in one way or another is is the best way to go.
1: And I don't mean to make this longer than it has to be, but... um... You taught me something about turning away versus walking into them. Mm, mm -hmm. You prefer walking, like, through the dog. Can you explain that?
0: Yeah, so when I go out onto the daycare floor, I'm already anticipating that the dogs are going to run at me, that they're going to jump up on me. So I'm already moving my body before they have a chance to jump up. I'm already trying to have my arms out displayed forward and stiff to block my body um, in my space because if a dog jumps up on you and you just turn around – Depending on how excited your dog is, that dog just might turn around with you and jump on you from the other side. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So sometimes just turning around, when you're staying still, just you just end up spinning around in circles. So instead, like, for example, also too, when I'm having the the people come out for the working interviews, I tell everyone, like, the dogs are going to jump up on you, completely ignore them, protect your space by putting your hands up, keep walking, keep walking until we get all the way outside. And outside definitely helps because then once we're outside, there's more things to sniff and whatnot. So we just kind of feel the whole situation diffuse. Um, But in my experience, walking into a dog has a better effect than continuing to turn around. But don't get me wrong. I do have some dogs that are really good at standing up on their back feet. And walking backwards while I'm walking (laughs) forward and it looks like we're dancing. Like I've literally walked across an entire living room with the dog doing that before. Um, So it might not be the best option for every single dog, but in my opinion, it works a little bit better. And it's, and also another thing too is when dogs jump up, we have a tendency to step backwards, right? Or also that's kind of what you're turning, you, you turn backwards into the dog. What I would prefer is if you are turning, turn into the dog. Versus turning back away away from the dog, right? Because when the dog jumps up on you and you turn backwards, you step backwards,
1: you're opening more space for the dog to jump into you. You're kind of telling them they're winning a little bit.
0: Yeah, and and that doesn't go to say that, like, your dog is doing this to be – alpha or dominant of you. I mean, obviously they're just hella excited, but you're just giving them more space to act in that inappropriate way. Whereas when I continue to walk forward, one, it kind of throws them off guard because they weren't expecting it. Um, But two, it kind of, and my goal isn't to you know knock them down, but it kind of throws them off balance. So they get down faster and stay down a little bit quicker, which allows me to have a better opportunity to reward them for staying down on the ground. And it's not easy. Like you have to train yourself to do it. When I found this technique, it took me about two weeks of constantly going out onto the daycare floor and practicing step in, step in, step in instead of step back, step back.
1: Yeah, I remember when I was training for daycare, you kept catching me stepping back, and you'd be like, "No, step into them." And I'd be like, oh, "Okay, it's weird. Step to steps, Maggie. Step into them." <laughs> okay, I'm trying. I'm trying so hard. It's not easy, and you and definitely don't have do to daycare be. And I don't have to worry about that, right?
0: <laughs> No, but I think one of the reasons too, and I'm I'm trying just to find a nice segue into our next problem behavior. Um, If you're giving lots of attention on the daycare floor, right, you end up becoming a resource that some of these dogs want to guard. Oh yeah, so another problem behavior that we see that can can manifest or potentially get worse is resource guarding. So what is resource guarding? Resource guarding is your dog defending, guarding against, it could be against a human, it could be against another dog, but guarding a resource. And a resource could be a variety of different things. On the daycare floor, we typically see that it's toys. Um, so one of our rules is we just don't have toys on, on daycare. Um, it could be another playmate, It could be the daycare tech themselves. It could be a crate space because that's where the dog likes to rest. It could be the water hose. It could be the pool. Just whatever thing that your dog finds valuable enough to the point where they want to... Have it all to themselves. Yeah, have it all to themselves. Um, and we, like we, for example, we have treats on our daycare floor, right? Because we want to be able to find ways to reinforce things like coming to us, um, or stepping, making a better decision. Um, so we have to always be careful about how we deliver our treats, right? We don't want to just toss a bunch of food on the floor and let the dogs compete for that resource. Um, sometimes we use a hand or a body to block or step in between Two dogs when we give a
1: piece of food. Um, Yeah, hold one dog's face back. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. I give it to the other one's mouth.
0: Yeah, Um, and I think another one too is like, for example, when we're giving attention. Um, This is something that I see often in like multi-household, multi-dog households. Um, I had just finished up with one client who she has multiple dogs, but one in particular when she's giving another dog attention, um, this dog will come like racing from the other side of the room and has, it's not ugly about it, right? It's not biting anyone, isn't growling, but she just shoves her body in between the other dog who was originally getting attention and the person, right? That's a form of resource guarding. It's not ugly and it definitely could get there. Um, but one thing too that I try to teach the staff at times is if you're giving attention to one dog and you see another dog coming up from like the corner of your eye, don't give them both attention at the same time. That's just a recipe for disaster. Instead, I'll already kind of put my hand out and draw that boundary, build that space, and not allow that dog to come into our space. So that way, the dog that I'm currently petting doesn't feel like they have to guard me. So I'm taking control of that situation. And I'm protecting the space versus the dog realizing that they have to take like, draw that space themselves. Does that make sense?
1: Yes, Um, okay, then how do you train, um, a dog to stop resource guarding? Like, I thought if you, if one is, like, treat aggressive or treat guardy, um, you would feed them a treat and feed another dog a treat, or feed another dog a treat, and then they also get a treat. You're seeing, like, oh, my friend eats, and I also eat, so it's okay. Yeah, yeah. So I think, how do you do that?
0: I think it depends. I don't think there's a very clear answer. Um, for this, this dog in particular that I was talking about in my private lessons, because she wasn't starting fights over it, mm-hmm. um, I told mom, just keep drawing that boundary. Eventually she'll get the idea and she'll stop. Okay. Um, and of course the next week she came back and she's like, she's not learning anything. I'm like, girl, it's only been a week and this dog's five years <laughs> old. This dog has practiced inappropriate behavior for five years. We just started this for a week. Right. So sometimes it takes them a moment to actually figure it out. Um, I've worked with some dogs where if it's like against the food bowl, right. And I have two dogs in the household. One, we want to talk about management and all that kind of sort of stuff. But w- an actual training exercise that I've worked them through is, all right, while you're eating at your bowl, I'm going to have this fake dog in the presence, but far enough away to where I'm not having the dog in training elicit the negative behavior. Okay. Okay. So when that dog is at their food bowl and they notice that the stuffed dog, the fake dog is there, I throw in an extra treat. So I'm building a positive association to that dog being there, but I'm watering down the situation enough to where I'm not seeing the resource guarding we do it slowly we do it incrementally maybe my first goal is for that dog to move up three inches if we have success and we end the session and then we keep doing more sessions to the point where they are getting closer and i try once and i think another thing too is to set people up for realistic expectations my expectation isn't for this dog to allow another dog to come eat out of their bowl maybe my expectation is for this dog to allow their housemate to eat in the same room with them across across the way Mm -hmm. right so it just kind of depends um That's long story short.
1: Okay. And then what about, um, I noticed that dogs are a lot more likely to resource guard the daycare techs if the daycare techs are like sitting on the floor Mm -hmm. or like sitting in a chair, like down closer to the dog's level. Can you explain that?
0: I think that just becomes, when you're down on the floor, we're more affectionate. So are they, you know, are they seeing you as... Are they seeing you as valuable because you're giving affection? Um, A lot of dogs like to sit in people's laps, right? Mm -hmm. So is the dog finding you valuable because you're a rest spot? Um, And I think probably one thing that we possibly could do out on the daycare floor, especially, you know, once 3.30, 4 o'clock rolls around, is maybe toss out a few, quite a few beds, right? So that way the dogs have something to kind of rest on that's a little bit more comfortable than the ground, um, but they're not having to fight over this one specific thing that is comfortable. Okay. I, th- I think that's really all, all that it is to it is we're, we're more affectionate when we're on the ground because we're on their level. And it's just like when any person gets like, I can't get down on the ground to do sit-ups. Without my dog's, oh, my God, you're on the floor and, like, rushing over mm. to, like, see me because.
1: I'm just more exciting when I'm on the
0: floor. I think it's just more exciting when you're on the floor. Yeah. That's okay. one, of the, the, one of the things that we proof in, like, sit stays and down stays. I try to encourage clients. Like, okay, can you walk five oh, feet yeah, away yeah. and get on the ground? Because usually when you're on the ground, your dog takes it as an invitation to come sit in your lap. Alright, so another one um, is fence jumping. So the first one we talked about was that fence fighting, um, you know, fighting over or under the fence. We also have some kiddos who jump over the fence because our perimeter wall or the wall like literally jumping over. Yeah, yeah. Fight meant like jumping up
1: so they can look over
0: oh well that possibly too Um, i guess we could talk about both um jumping on top of the fence just to look over can definitely create a scenario um because the dog that they're looking over onto might get spooked they might run at the dog and maybe try to bite their feet
1: so you start a fight over at the top i would say that's the training dog we were talking about earlier that's her biggest trigger when dogs dogs jump up jump up and she can like see their face and they are up on her wall yeah. She wants to fight them.
0: Right. And once again, I don't know if that's because I don't think it's quite a resource guarding thing of the wall. I think she's just triggered by seeing something like pop up out of nowhere and it's a dog. Okay. Yeah. Um, More of like, I just, I think it's kind of more startles her. I'll ask her next time I see her. <laughs> but also jumping over the fence. Yeah. Right. Okay. So we have a four foot wall um, as the perimeter and also in between the two daycare yards, Um, we've had some dogs who we've watched them get better at it until the point where they're completely just jumping over, right? Because you have a chance to practice it, you're going to get better at the behavior to one day you are flawlessly jumping over the fence. Um, We still allow these dogs to be in daycare, but we have those conversations with the pet parents that it's dangerous because maybe sometimes we have them in a separate group for a reason. Maybe there's a dog that they don't get along with on the other side. Um, And also they can hurt themselves. Right, yeah. they can hit their kneecap on the way over and dislocate a knee. They can land inappropriately. Maybe they land on another dog. Like that's that's always an issue too. So um, that one's just kind of a small minor one that I had tossed in there. Um, the other one that we often see um, is humping. So humping is not always a sexual behavior. Um, a lot of dogs hump whether they're spayed or neutered or not. Um, and the biggest, and once again, this isn't a dominance issue either. The biggest reason why dogs hump, it's sometimes it's a play style for certain dogs. And sometimes it's a, um, a sign that they're overstimulated and over-escalating. So I have two quick stories about this. Um, I used to work at a daycare who we had two female dogs. They were both adults. They were both spayed. And they just loved humping like taking turns, right? So reciprocating, humping each other, other, back and forth, back and forth. And we tried for months to redirect and do all these different things. And, um, this group in this daycare in particular, all the big dogs were in one group. So we didn't have like, we couldn't separate them into multiple groups. So we just told like the pet parents after so many times, Hey, this is a problem. This is what we're seeing. This is what we're doing. We finally just told them, look, they're role reversing, which is healthy play. They are not fighting, and they both seem to be enjoying it. So we're just going to let your dogs take turns humping each other.
1: <laughs> Two of my most favorite dogs that we have that come to us, occasion they don't do it regularly, yeah. but they both have a play style of humping. So if they hump each other, I'm like, ah, yeah, you guys get it okay yeah it. okay so
0: uh i can't think of who the other i'm thinking of one of them who's black
1: yeah right okay and one of them that is my perfect man angel baby love him so much oh okay okay, okay. yeah they yeah. both like they're both kind of anti-social uh,
0: the well, black like, one is not anti-social
1: i don't think we're thinking about the same dog We're talking about Lilo and Nacho here. Uh, Lilo, <laughs> Lilo and Nacho are both awkward as hell. Gotcha. Okay. But once in a blue moon, they want to play, and each of them chooses to play by humping. Right. And, and, and they hump each other. And right. if it's not each other, you know, the other dog can get um, upset and take the wrong way and all sorts of things. But if they hump each other, I'm like, oh, heck yeah. Look at Best friends. You go. <laughs> you get okay. it. I was thinking of a different black dog who
0: humps and we know for him specifically that's a sign that he's spiraling
1: yeah and he needs a break yes he and needs he a 5 break he is not good at uh uh what is that phrase taking in what he's given out oh yeah uh, yeah he won't take humping nicely yeah if somebody tries to hump him he's like oh hell no get off of me <laughs> and will you know start a nice big fight there
0: yeah so, it yeah, there's lots of different variety of reasons. So, for this, the black dog that I was thinking about, it's an over-escalating situation. Right. It's playful. Not a dominant right. thing. Yeah. But he's it's not... over-escalating. And I think the other kind of little story that I have about that is my old boss, she used to have um, a big pity. And whenever we would come over, we'd ring the doorbell. He'd be so excited that there were people coming over that instead of j- jumping up on you out of excitement, which was great… He had an incompatible behavior of going and grabbing onto his bed and humping it. <laughs> so we would walk in and my boss would be, just be like, yeah, just give Hank a couple minutes. So he'll, he'll calm down whenever he's ready. And it wasn't a sexual behavior. You know, he was a neutered man. He just only did that whenever he was escalated and excited about something.
1: Now that I'm thinking about it, Corky humps. His play style with strangers or strange dogs is to the hump. occasional hump. Mm. He doesn't, he do, he plays awesome with Quinn. He wrestles and does play bows and does all the dog playing things. But when he meets a new dog and he's like, oh, okay, yeah, maybe you're kind of cool. Unlike when he fights them, which is usually. <laughs> he's either um, fighting or humping. Yeah. <laughs> when he's like, okay, maybe you're cool. He starts to mount them. And mm-hmm. I'm like, no, what, What? You, that's not, oh, you're stupid. And I feel like that's kind of an
0: overstatement. Stimulation because he's overstimulating in the opposite direction. He's just I just really want to play and like you know that's a play yeah. behavior over like a
1: combo of both of those. Yeah, two. I feel like it's like he he's not used to feeling this it's a social this awkwardness, friendliness. He's like I don't like, know how you're, to introduce. you shake my you're hand. Cool. I don't have so what are we we just now? I just jump up here. <laughs> now we're we're just gonna. All right, here we go. Like, oh my God, quickie. Go no, just like do a play bow and go grab a toy and do some zoomies. Oh my God, you're so stupid. Ooh, zoomies is another one. Hey. Okay, so
0: what are zoomies? Uh, there is an actual like, scientific behavior or reason why your dog gets zoomies. They just get so escalated, they run, run, run. But in our purposes, zoomies is your dog just gets activated. They're running super quick from one end of the daycare yard to the other. Maybe if you're at home, you see them jumping all over the furniture from couch to couch. They're just going crazy, right? They're Zooming all over the place. Zoomies is not bad. Zoomies is a healthy, normal thing. Also fun. Also exerts a lot of energy, which is great. But not healthy in daycare. Exactly. Not a good thing in daycare. And the reason why is because when your dog gets excited and your dog's running, your dog is eliciting a chase instinct from all the other dogs. Mm-hmm. And before your dog knows it, they look back and they realize, "Holy shit balls! I'm being chased by five, six, seven, up to eleven other dogs." In our case, up to eleven other dogs possibly, and that can freak them the fuck out. Yeah, I'd be freaked out. So maybe they turn defensive. Um, they turn and they start snapping, and that can potentially cause a fight. Right. So mm-hmm. zoomies are not bad, but we always try our best to slow everyone's roll in a zoomie situation, because zoomies in group play is not. It ha- could have bad consequences. Yeah,
1: and I would say not only the the initial, um, like the the dog in front that started it mm-hmm. can turn around and start snapping or whatever, but the dogs chasing it can also see it as like, uh, something they are trying to catch. Yeah, and that prey we'll, drive. Like, yeah, if they catch up with it, will grab a neck mm-hmm. and you know make it a prey type of scenario instead of just like a place type of scenario
0: it escalates quickly but diffusing that situation is never quick yeah yeah like we're usually having to body block and guess where that dog is going to run to next and kind of get in their line um and if that if it does have a consequence it's not something that's going to oops i ran into you no biggie right it's i ran into you and now we're possibly fighting would you say if uh two dogs are doing zoomies that's Safe and pretty healthy? I would think that's fine because that dog is fully aware. Like, I think one reason why it starts off is because I have two dogs that are playing. Yeah. Right? And that dog is focused on my one playmate. Yeah. But when I start running around, I'm not thinking, as this dog, right, I'm not thinking about all the other dogs in the room who are going to start chasing me. Right, Right, right. Like, Sully and Rishi will zoom me all over the place together because they know... I I I ramped up for you, and you're the one that's ramping up with me.
1: Yeah, right. And they'll probably do role reversals. Yes, and, exactly. You'll yeah. we'll see
0: them chase one after another. Um, and that's just not happening when we have group setting.
1: Yeah, I'll say that's one nice thing about uh our beta program. Uh, we often only have two dogs playing together, mm-hmm. and they can ramp up a lot higher than mm-hmm. they can in daycare, which is for some uh why they're in this program in the first place. Right. And we'll have a whole episode on that. But show. Sure. Um yeah, they can play more freely and more uninhibited. Uninhibited. Yeah.
0: And I think another reason why a lot of dogs get zoomies is when we bring the pool out. They get in there, they're rolling around, it feels so good to cool off as soon as they jump out of the pool. They it's kinda like your dog getting the bat like post bath zoomies. Yeah. Right? Like Rishi goes Balls to the wall yeah, after so she quirky. gets a bath, right? And so then we have a situation where not only do I have this dog zooming and now collecting a whole herd behind them, but now the floor is wet. <laughs> <laughs> and in that, in a fun. bath situation, they are running through dirt. God damn it! That's really hard to work with. Okay, so two more, um, and we'll try to move through them quickly because we have a few more uh, points to hit. Um, but another thing that we've talked about before in the last episode was over escalating and rough play, right? So um... Um, one reason why we don't allow dogs to come five days a week is to give them an off day, especially if you're still at home. We want your dogs to learn how to find that off button. Um, and we also have had some dogs who maybe they started off as a rough player. Um, and then just because they got more comfortable in the group, they found more established relationships, which is kind of another thing that we'll talk about. Their play starts to become rougher and rougher until the point where now we're having to, um, recommend play and train and training intervention for that
1: Mm -hmm. um the last one is barking oh again that's one in beta program they get to do that more they get to be them them themselves themselves yes (laughs) because it's so much easier to control just two dogs doing something than two dogs in a group of 12
0: right and the last one is barking um, and barking can be for a variety of reasons, whether it's that fence fighting situation. I think that, I think the reason, my Maggie, you wanted me to put this on here was, um, barking for attention. Yes. Right. We yeah. have some dogs who, when they're seeing other dogs play, they're trying to insert themselves as the third wheel and they can't get in there regardless yeah, yeah. of trying. So they'll circle and circle around those two dogs, just barking, 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 barking. Um, either we have other dogs that will like bark. Bark just because like the energy level of the group rose, and like they're, it's like seems I'm like, here too. It hey, seems, wait, what are we doing? Yeah, oh my God. it seems hey, like they're too. barking at nothing. Yeah, um, they're just kind of like barking into the air, and it's hard because. You're trying to tell them to stop, but then will that turn into an attention-seeking behavior because for some dogs it is an attention-seeking yeah. behavior. Um, so there's just a lot of different reasons why dogs might be barking and the answer to help out with that is there's not one clear answer. It really just depends on your dog and why they're barking. Yeah,
1: you got to hire a personal trainer and, you know, they From can tell me. you all the things that you should be specifically doing.
0: Indeed. Okay. So I think one of the biggest reasons why our trainer or our clients come to us um is one because we have our enrichment and two um because they care a little bit more about their dogs training. Um so what is our enrichment? Our dogs get two different enrichment sessions, once in the morning, once in the evening or in the afternoon. Um that's some sort of small training little nugget. Uh the trainers, our team of trainers puts together the curriculum and it can be a variety of different things. Last week we were work or excuse me, last month we were working on learning how to walk on a treadmill. Um the next week, uh, we're going to be doing a whole uh, sit-stay series for the whole month. We've done a whole month of just place-bed things. Um, and I think a lot of our clients like that because when it gets their dog something a little extra to do besides just running around, playing with their friends. Um, and I, we don't guarantee like, okay, your dog is going to go home definitely learning how to know how to work on the treadmill. Yeah. Um, so we don't send them home with the guarantee. But we, a lot of our clients come back and say, oh my God, I noticed that you guys did the doorbell desensitization because twice when my doorbell rang this week, my dog didn't bark.
1: Yeah. Or sometimes people will see this and go, oh, I have a treadmill at home. Maybe that's a really good idea. And we'll continue mm-hmm. the training at home. Yep. Yep. And then of course, whenever we start to have conversations about
0: inappropriate behaviors that we see on the daycare floor, because our, our clients are a little bit more in tune to the dog's training, we normally get the question, what can I do to help? Yep. And there always is not an easy answer for that one because and oh, sometimes there's an easy so, answer. Like there, sometimes there is. Grabs. Yeah, I, but sometimes there's not always an easy answer. Sometimes there is always an easy answer. Thank you for putting the silver lining and the half cup option, the half cup perspective on that one. Um, but the reason to miss Maggie here at your service, <laughs> she comes out so rarely.
1: <laughs> she really does.
0: Uh, but the reason. Why you might not be able to help us is because that specific behavior you might not see at home. Your dog may only be eliciting that behavior because they're in an overstimulating or an, in a stimulating and
1: arousing environment such as daycare. Yeah, I can think of somebody specifically, their dog barked incessantly. it was at people, at dogs, at the air. I don't i I couldn't tell you why this dog was barking. But every report card, we'd be like, yeah, he had a good day. He was a good boy. You know, he played some. And he, oh, my God, never shut up. <laughs> we put it nice. We didn't say it that way. It. <laughs> um, but the parent came in and was like, you know, he doesn't bark at home. What can I do to help? And we're like, well, if he doesn't bark at home, there is nothing you can do to help. Right.
0: Just pay us more money to help them get over it in daycare.
1: Yeah. <laughs> okay, there was wages. a long example and Continue.
0: No, that was a long example. Um, And I think another thing often that we get from clients, right, if they're not seeing these behaviors at home, one other reaction that we get is I don't, I take my dog to the dog park and I don't see those behaviors at the dog park. And I think I get that one not pretty often, but often enough to where I've noticed that it has been a pattern and something obviously worth, you know, tossing into here. So let's talk about the differences between daycare and the dog park because, you're probably thinking it's the same thing, right? It's an enclosed space where I can let my dog off leash and I can play with other dogs, but there's a lot of differences. Um, The first one is groups are never the same, but they're pretty similar here at daycare, right? Of course we have some dogs that come, every Tuesday, Thursday. So those Tuesday, Thursday groups for the most part, corely are gonna be the same dogs with an occasional boarder who does not hear all the time, or maybe someone who just happened to come in on a different week. But having the same dogs over and over and over again, helps your dog, once again, build that familiarity that we talked about a little while ago, which helps them establish bigger bonds and allows those dogs that they create those established relationships with to play on a more intimate level. Not necessarily not necessarily sexual, but just a more intimate level, right? You like you and I will crack inappropriate jokes to one another. We're very intimate. That I (laughs) so intimate that we. God, 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 Maggie, shut shut up! up. You just threw me off
1: there. Let you in here.
0: (laughs) Why I let you on this podcast? You and I will crack inappropriate jokes to each other. That I wouldn't say to someone who I just met on the street.
1: I might say it. No, <laughs> you wouldn't. That's one of the terrible things about me. I have no filter. But you don't like confrontation. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, I live in a tough world <laughs> It's hard
0: to be me. It's so hard. But, yeah, I think uh, that's one of the biggest reasons. Uh, dog and and so even for example, uh, okay, not for example. I'll just move on. Um, dog parks are parks. They're outdoors, and it gives your dogs other things to be stimulated by, distracted by, occupied by, besides just that one other dog that's in the park. Um, and also your trip to the dog park is shorter than a typical day at daycare. So at daycare, they're here all day. They have longer interactions. Um, the group dynamics primarily stays the same because we have the same group of dogs for the entire day. Um, Whereas at a dog park, it's a shorter visit. You have people coming and going. So you have dogs coming and going. So even while you're in there for maybe that hour, the group could be changing. Mm -hmm. So I think just a few reasons why.
1: Oh, another one is all the dogs here at daycare have been vetted. To a certain extent, like mm-hmm. they've all gone through our orientation process and mm-hmm. has been have been proved that they can exist in daycare. That's more of like why they might do better in daycare than a dog park, and sure. these other ones were usually why they might do better in a dog park. I guess. Yeah, but I don't still, know. Just it's one,
0: still, of, the, it's still one, a one of the reasons it's
1: a different situation. Yeah. It's
0: a little difference. Okay, we're just taking another really hard turn into our last topic. Um, ready, and it's dogs being unaltered. And daycare, right? So they're not spayed. They're not neutered. Schnootered. Schnootered. Um, so here at Pup Pup, we do things a little bit differently. Uh, most daycares, it's pretty customary for if your dog, as soon as they turn six months, if they're not spayed or neutered, they're kicked out. Um, but we try to treat every dog as a case-by-case scenario because we like to give the dog the opportunity um, to continue to do themselves. Do You know, you do you, boo-boo. Um, and to continue to get stimulation and exercise before we start to realize, you know, sometimes it is an issue, right? And we'll talk about that in a second. But I also believe that um, your decision to get your dog spayed or neutered uh, should be based on a lot of things besides just. Sorry, if you want your dog to come to daycare, you're going to have to get them neutered or spayed. Yeah, um, because there's a lot of things that you could, you should consider um, when you're making that decision, and there's a lot more information that's coming out that maybe we should do it a little bit later and whatnot. And if you have if you want to know our opinions on spaying and neutering, go listen to one of our previous episodes in season one because we took a very deep dive into that. Yeah, I don't like that episode very much. <laughs> You've mentioned that multiple times. That's um, still true. I think the first part is a little rocky, but my <laughs> my my behavioral... Our points get across. Our, my behavioral reasons to, you know, why it's not a clear answer is, is always there. Um, they... Oh, but there are some drawbacks to your dog not being spayed or neutered in, in daycare. Let me hear them. One of them <laughs> is your dog might get some unwanted attention. So, for example, if you have an unaltered female, unaltered females will typically get mounted more. And obviously, this probably is going to be more along a sexual behavior. Um, they will still get mounted from dogs that are other females or males who are still neutered, who have already been neutered. Right? It's just, there's... Is this still
1: a hormonal th- thing? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's still, still a hormonal, hormonal thing, thing, for sure.
0: Um also point. Uh, also, unaltered males might get aggressed
1: towards more. Um, if I've I ha- seen that happen. Yeah, oh yeah. I think that's probably the, the the biggest one. Oh, that's a... I was trying to think earlier of unaltered males that still regularly come. Uh-huh. I just thought of one.
0: Okay. Yeah. Big white one. Is see. The one that boards with us, mm-hmm. yeah, okay, that's who I was thinking originally, but he's not a daycare dog. He
1: comes to board. Yeah, I just forgot about him. But that. But poor we dog, haven't we haven't gotten to the point where we're like, dude, we can't have him anymore. He's close. <laughs> he's hella some, close. Some but, weekends are closer than others. But um, I think
0: dogs react to him badly. Yes. One because he's a gigantic dog. Yeah, he's real um, weird. But two because he's got balls. Yep. And I think that dogs still notice even like you know I don't have balls but you have balls, maybe what? I should be more scared of you so I'm gonna act more defensively. Oh, I was trying to be a dog.
1: Got you. I <laughs> thought you were telling me I had balls. <laughs> I was trying. To I don't be a know. Dog. I I zoned out there for a second. Obviously. I guess. Um, another thing too is that 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 neutered male that we were talking about the black dog uh-huh. that likes humping but uh-huh. doesn't like being humped. He is a big proponent for hates dogs. Extra with humping. Balls. Yeah, and extra aggressive towards dogs with balls for sure, for sure.
0: So yeah, and, and that guy's neutered. He's been neutered for a hot minute. You know, it's not just a new thing for yeah, him. He was like a
1: rescue. He got it done at you know
0: probably three months old, probably or a little too young. And yeah. I don't know, maybe that has something to do with it. Um, another weird thing too is, sorry, ladies, but if you're in heat, you are not allowed anywhere in my facility. It makes
1: you can't board, you
0: can't train,
1: you can't no, daycare,
0: and it breaks my heart because I hate to be sexist in those moments. But when I have a lady who is in their heat cycle, it just makes everyone else a little bit nuts. Even the Hormons even my spade females. Meth. Yeah, it's it's not a pretty sight. So, um we have to have those conversations. With sure, you can join in class and sure you can start coming to daycare. also it's a mess. But uh, not really. Most dogs kind of clean up after themselves.
1: I've seen, I've seen it be a mess. Okay. <laughs> uh yeah, it's just it's just not a good thing. Um so when it comes Oh yeah, you were saying you can sign up for group classes and whatever but if, you're, if it happens yeah. you lose that stuff. You, yeah,
0: you you you, you lose, lose your up, credits. You, yeah, you lose your credit to be in the those classes for those weeks um, and we try to tell every single client before they sign up that um, It's just hard to remember to always have that conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, Usually unaltered males end up getting the boot because they start to focus and obsess with other dogs in the group. They try to mount them more. They might start to guard these dogs. Um, So, for example, the big white one that we just talked about, the kiddo that comes to board with us. Great dog. Plays fantastic. Is not aggressive whatsoever. But his raging teenager hormones are getting the best of him. And he will stalk. Dogs, he'll just casually follow behind them, sniff their privates, like start try to air crawl humping, inside tries of their privates. to get all the way up in there, drools, and we call a grab we walk him away works for a few minutes he goes right back to it over and over and over and over and over again and so sometimes this can make this dog become frustrated it can frustrate the dog who he's obsessing over um piss off
1: the dog he's obsessing I, I would over. be pretty
0: pissed off at that so i get yeah. pretty pissed off when, when he's doing it when we start having those situations we start to have to start to have the conversations with families that say hey uh, if if you're going to make the decision unfortunately, to not get them neutered yet, unfortunately, we're going to have to pull back on some group play because, um, yeah, it's just a thing. And then the last one, too, is for some of these dogs um, – actually, I'm going to pause it right here. Okay, sorry for that abrupt stop. I had to restart the recording because my thing only allows me to record close to an hour, and I didn't want to get stuck in the middle of a, a – thought. Um, uh, but I ruined my thought. <laughs> uh, oh, right. Thing. So sometimes we'll get to this point with these dogs that are being obsessive with other dogs. Um, So we start to maybe perhaps recommend a plane train. So plane train is when they can still go out into daycare, um, maybe for shorter periods of time, because they're going out with the trainer. So the trainer is helping them make better decisions. The goal is that they start making these decisions on their own. So there we can release them back into a regular daycare without a trainer being on them 100% consistently. Because even though there's a person in daycare with them 100% of the time, it's one person with 12 dogs, right? Yep. I can't focus on this one dog to help them make better decisions. Yep. Um, when I have the dog who we're doing this sort of training with because they still got their balls – Training ends up plateauing at some sort of way. And at this point, we're just fighting biology. Like we can work, we can work, we can train, we can do all these things, but we're just fighting an uphill battle, um, to where we're probably wasting your money, um we're probably wasting our time we might be making this dog more frustrated we might be starting to build habits that are going to be harder to break once we do get them spayed or neutered um so it's just an an all-around a hard thing to be working on unless we do really
1: consider taking those balls out
0: and it usually is a male thing
1: yeah i wonder if i could think of any females that we've had like obsessive or like the only female I can think that we ever um I don't think we even ended up like banning her from daycare, but we strongly re- recommended she do- don't come to daycare until she get fixed. Uh was just because she was eliciting so much attention from the male dogs. Mm, yeah. She was polite about it and you know didn't start fights, didn't try to kill the dogs that were trying to mount her or anything. But she just wasn't having a good time in there. She would yeah. end up soaked from slobber. Yeah. Uh, she wasn't able to play. She wasn't able to get away from them. And we just had to ke- keep redirecting every single male dog away from her. So
0: Yeah, and I think that kind of goes back to that first point that we were talking about is the females um, are probably going to get some unwanted attention.
1: Yeah, yeah. So it's not necessarily the females are having behavioral issues because they are unspayed. Yeah. Uh, but more they're just eliciting un- unsolicited
0: I, I think, if anything, what I have noticed with ladies who are about to go into heat is they're grumpier. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they don't feel good. They're grumpier. I mean, just like us when we were PMSing, stay away from me. Well, I don't – never mind. Uh, me neither. <laughs> stay away from me for the, you know, the, month, the week leading up to it. Um, yeah.
1: But I think, I think those think things happen. I I recently met – I, I have had very few, if any, dogs in my life that have gone through heat because we mm-hmm. – we, my family believes in spaying nice and early. Right. Um, but I recently got some information from somebody who had a dog going through heat that her personality changed dramatically during the heat cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't see that here because they're not allowed here during heat. Uh, so, it, and it goes back to normal when she's done with her heat cycle? Yeah, I think she was largely back to normal maybe like a couple things were different because it was her first heat cycle but like during it she had a lot of different behaviors that she hadn't uh had -hmm. before she got like way more nervous way more protective over like younger sibling dog Mm -hmm. um it was like a fear period mashed into during a cycle cycle, yeah and Mm -hmm. then after she was done as far as i could tell and as far as i heard she went back to being normal. Mostly normal.
0: Yeah. It makes sense. I mean, we as humans change dramatically. We have different cravings. We PMS. Um, maybe we need more sleep. You know, different things like that. So I don't know why we would expect any different when it's a dog. Yeah. Going through those. All right. Those are all my topics for random
1: daycare topics. <laughs> um i'm trying to think of a last thought and i have none last thought is how come you didn't cover blank (laughs) i don't know you did a great job we did a great job that's a wrap
0: all right bye. Bye. bye As always, the fun doesn't have to stop here. Find us on all of our socials. We're on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook at PupPupAndAwaySA. Uh, Feel free to leave feedback or ask any questions about this topic or any desired future topics by DMing us on Instagram. Please rate, review, and subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to. Share us with a friend. Uh, And if you're ever so inclined, please feel free to donate. Nothing reinforces me more than money besides food. And that might be why I get along so well with dogs. (laughs) I hope to see you guys soon.